Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Justin Hamilton is one of my oldest and dearest friends. He's such a great guy. He's a funny guy, passionate and loyal. I know maybe a dozen people who would tell you that he is their best friend in the world. And he's actually recently had an epiphany about the pitfalls of that, which we will get to. Also, he tours relentlessly doing stand-up. So we are very rarely in the same city at the same time. It's taken about 12 months for us to organise this podcast, and I'm so glad we persevered because... Justin is a very good influence on me. He is a lover of things. He loves things passionately. He's an unselfconscious uber fan of 70s rock icons and contemporary comic book artists and lots of people and things in between. He's relentlessly honest with himself and with anyone else who asks him. We'll chat about George Clooney and his filling of Justin's father void. And where is Hamo's dad anyway? The answer to that question is kind of astounding. Hamo is always a breath of fresh air blowing through my life, and this conversation is no different. And you might even get a little clue as to who our favourite Australian comedian is. It's a fun game to play at home. Hamo and I love someone real hard. See if you can guess who it is. We started out, though, by chatting about the New Zealand stand-up comedy scene, which both Hamo and I have recently discovered and love. So going over and seeing all the New Zealand uh, acts, there was a guy, there, there was Rose Matafeo, who is pretty amazing. I she's hear been, that. I keep hearing that. Yeah, really good. Like, she's 26, been on TV since she was 11. Yeah, right. Really got her shit together. <laughs> like, kind of outrageous, to be honest. Real interesting uh, comedy uh, approach as well. Steve Wrigley, who is a massive star in New Zealand and is married to an American woman and lives in New York. He's such a massive star. He, he right. blows back in there to make his money and then goes and lives in a farmhouse in New York State, upstate New York. That's mind-blowing. Yeah, isn't it? You know, and he's... Uh, yeah. And he loves his son. And oh, so all, much. And, it's, and he owns it as well. Hey, guess what? I'm going to show you another picture of my son. And you go, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, let, let's do it. It's just not... I love being around people who... Who love things. And, and Jackie love Brown. Do you remember Jackie Brown? She's the host of no. this show I went over to do called Word Up. She's she's another one. She's like a superstar in New Zealand. She's been on right. she's been hosting and been on comedy there forever. Right. It's like another world, but it's such a great world. Oh yeah. Well there was this guy who 
as soon as I started talking to him, I'd never met, I'd met Rose and Steve before. Uh, and there was a UK comedian called Nish Kumar who made me laugh a lot. But there was this young comedian called Guy Montgomery, who I just thought was so shiny. He has, he was telling me about his podcast and it, it even makes me laugh now talking about it. So imagine being told, well, I'm going to tell you for the first time. Great. His podcast was with his friend and it was called uh, the, the Worst Idea of All Time. <laughs> and for all of last year, 2014, he and his mate watched Grown Ups 2 and reviewed it every week for a year. <laughs> the same movie. They'd watch it and review it and they'd watch it and they would review it. And it ended up they were in the States with all these, you know, like a a gaggle of people. I can't remember how many, but it was a lot. Like not a, like not twenty. Like I think it was maybe three or four hundred people in this cinema watching it for the last time to do the last review. You wow. know, they they became obsessive. You know, they started obsessing over. You know, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's cousins in it. You know, and like you know <laughs> that kind of thing. And then at the I don't end even of, know what it is. Grown ups too. Well, it's the 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 sequel to Grown Ups that we were all clamouring for. It's an Adam Sandler film. Right. You know, think, okay. And so, but they've never seen the first one. They've just seen the <laughs> second one. And then, you know, they did this big video montage at the end where they were talking, uh, you know, showing pictures of them, you know, reviewing it and people they'd met, etc. And people were cheering. And then at the end, they revealed that they were going to do it again this year. But now they're reviewing Sex and the City 2 every week <laughs> for a year. And I said to him, does that sometimes get you down? And he looked at me and went, yeah, but he's a young guy and full of ideas and full of creativity. And there's that, you know. And I so, reckon about now. I reckon about July, August, that's when it would really start oh, to get me down. Yes. I've still got hey, so many more weeks of this yeah, to yeah. go. Everything. Yeah. July, August, yeah. like especially if you live in Melbourne yes. with the grey weather out there. Yes. The, this is the time to have the most conversations that are chock full of anxiety. Yes. Uh, in our profession with comedians, I, I guess with other people as well, but definitely every, like so many comedians I'm talking to now are going, I just don't know what I'm doing with myself. And I feel that way as well. Same. And I'm the same. And, and breakfast radio people talk about this as the oh, time of year for us so as well. Long. We're like, how long can I actually keep doing this? Yeah. Like really, how long can I survive doing this, getting up this early? I'm so exhausted. Oh, yeah. I'm so broken. I can't think yeah. straight. Look, I kind of talk about age a lot, uh, but I don't necessarily feel old. Yeah. But what I have noticed is hanging out with those guys in yeah. particular, uh, it reminded me that I have lost a bit of creativity. And I think what I've lost is, you know, over time, you know, like you get better at your job, but in this industry, I don't know, this is going to sound a little bit more melodramatic than I mean it, but, you know, <laughs> but stick with me here. Uh, the, my friend, oh, our friend, Richard Fiedler. Yep. When I was about 32, 33, he took me aside and he said, keep an eye on your mental health and your male friend's mental health in the early 40s. He had a couple of friends who committed mm. suicide. Mm. And, uh, you know, like, you know, whatever advice Richard's ever given me, I've always put in the back of the head and held on to because he's a smart man and a, and a, and a man of integrity. Mm. And so, but I didn't really understand it, you know, and then you can, I kind of gotten to 42 mm. and I've gone, oh, I reckon I know what it is. And I think what it is, is I, and I could be projecting this, so I'm not saying this is a hundred percent correct, but I feel like I'm treated as if I no longer have potential and people have oh. in this industry decided this is who I am and this is where I fit. 
And if you don't feel comfortable with that, I can understand spiraling into that deep depression. Yeah. And I think what I, and I don't think I am as creative as I used to be because, you know, like I look back at, man, I look at back at, you know, 2005 to 2009, uh, you know, that I feel like that was a really creative time in my life. You know, like 2007, I did Three Colours Hammo, which was the three one-hour shows for the Comedy Festival, one a week. If you saw one, it told one story, but if you saw all three, it told one mega story. And then the next year, I did a really existential kind of show called The Killing Joke, which was about two men meeting on a bridge uh, in the middle of the night. One's gregarious and one's full of Mm -hmm. angst. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a comment. I still see you very much as that guy, though. Really? I mean, I would never have believed that was 2009, whenever, because I I still very much, and, and I talk, and other people talk about you, Right. As the guy who did does not did the guy who does interesting really interesting shows right conceptual high concept right yeah I I don't think we've forgotten that I think you really cemented at that that time a reputation oh well that's interesting yeah I don't know if I feel it that much anymore wow uh, Adam Richard voiced a similar um concern to me yeah yeah in a podcast that that he. He feels like, oh, he's he's realised he's not shiny anymore. He's not a bright yep. young thing. And for a long time, we all still thought we were these hot young things on the <laughs> scene, even though the Charlie Pickerings arrived and 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 the um you know all these other the kids, the Tommy yeah. Littles, the the you know Dave yeah. Thornton's all arrived. We still sort of thought we were the young hip kids around town. Yeah. And then one day you realise, oh no, no. Well, <laughs> it's funny. I never, I never felt like. Um, you know, you should never read things on the internet, no. right? Well, you, you make that mistake once in your life. Or if you're our friend Lima, you make it every six months. And then he calls me and he says, Hamo, I've done it again. I say, what is wrong with you? And he's oh, I know. And it's a very funny conversation. Um, yeah. It's like Lima, who is the person who has it the most together out of all of my friends. And it's just, the most liked person I've ever yeah, known. It's, I think sometimes he just needs to keep himself on edge and just go, oh, I'll just yeah. go to a message board and see how everyone hates me just to even myself out. It's like, what are you doing? But but um, I, uh, I remember uh, when Wikipedia first came yeah. around and someone said to me, you have a Wikipedia page? And I said, oh, really? So I went and read it and it was very nice. Didn't think anything more of it. Went out, I think about a week later, it was out uh, and uh, with uh, our friend Neria. Yeah. And we'd had, a, we'd, we'd had a few drinks. We are in a good mood. We went back to my place. Uh, we were having some people come over to meet us. And I said, I've got a Wikipedia page. And she said, oh, right. <laughs> Uh, let's have a look. And I said, I'll come up. And so I showed her and someone had put in and whoever it was, I reckon this asshole knows me and it, I'll be honest, it boom, like really, you know, when sometimes you read something that gets you right in the heart. Yeah. And you can't write it off. And you can't write it off. Jealous, idiot, whatever. No, because this asshole. And basically it said, and I, I honestly can't remember exactly what it said, but it basically said that out of every one of my generation, I was the one who had achieved the least and that my friends had propped me up. And, uh, you know, yeah. And so, but then you go, oh, well, that's bullshit. Why would I care about that? Yeah. But I've never had a TV show. I've never had a radio show. And no. I like out of every one of my generation, uh, and I'm not complaining about But if somebody wrote it, that about Husey, he would be brokenhearted. And he yes. has had all of those things. Oh, yeah. But that is the criticism to throw at any one of us. If you said that about Will, he, it mm. would kill him. 
without a doubt. I'm yeah. not even pretending. Because I think, you know what? I've never been nominated for awards. Yeah. I've never done seasons that people raved about and said, oh my God, have you seen it? I can't believe you didn't see it. And we Years all have later. our things. Yeah. We all have our that's things. That's my thing. Yeah. And we all have them. And yeah. that's why. Uh, and also I've had, you know, you make a living from this. Mm. You've won. Yeah. Like you like. So true. Like, you know, there is like July. I, I, I had done in the first six months of this year, 134 gigs, mm. uh, which I only know because I'm not counting because I blog about it. So yeah, that's yeah. why I know how many before people are sitting at home going, after 21 years, don't you stop counting your gigs? <laughs> yeah, you do. But when you blog about it, you have to know. But I was in a position where for July, where it's really cold and it's, you know, I've I've just been doing a season of hosting at the Imperial for free. And I said, let me host for free for a month and I'll just do new stuff. Even if it awesome. doesn't stick, it just kind of keeps the head going. But and then I could kind of knock a few things back, but I could do that, you know, yeah. or, uh, yeah. you know, because I'm in that position that, yeah, like, the career's motoring along nicely. Yeah. But I think the I think the main concern is always, I've always been good at, if I'm going to give myself some praise, I've never been upset that I don't have the job that I don't want. Yes, and I do get, I've always been upset about that stuff. It's hard. And again, Adam and I talk about all the time about going, what did they ask me if I want to do that? And I hate it, whatever yeah. it is, but I'd like to be asked so right. I can say no. Right. Well, do, do you want to hear something funny? <laughs> yes. This will really like, by the way, before I get into this funny thing that you will really appreciate, uh, I don't know if you realise, but happy anniversary. We've been friends for 20 years. Have we really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, met, we met back in 1995. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Before I met my husband. Yeah. Famously. Yeah. Yes. 20 years. Wow. That's a friendship. Doesn't feel like it. No, not at all. But that's exciting to know. It is things. really exciting. Yeah. And I love that milestone. I love that I've been doing stand up for like 21 or 22 now. So yeah. you too. Yeah. I mean, that feels great about, about being older. It feels great to be able to kind of say, well, we have stuck it out in this industry oh, man. for like, over 20 years. I can I can still remember doing that gig on Smith Street. Yeah. In the 96. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, comedy festival, comedy festival, uh, the show that Will Anderson handed flyers out for, yeah, and obviously did. didn't do a very good job because I'd be much bigger now. So thanks, Will. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's always it. been trying to hold me back in some way. <laughs> he flyed for our show. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, you know, bouncing around. I'm in a duo wearing fucking camouflage <laughs> pants and uh, doing jangle, jangle, jangle songs, etc. God, but I think this... I still had a nose ring. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> good times, right? Yeah. Yep. Anyway, this will make you laugh. Like I've, you know, I say, oh yeah, I've never been upset that I don't have the jobs that I don't want. Anyway, uh, as soon as I say this, you'll know where this is going. The Bowie exhibition okay, has yes. come here. Now, people know that I'm a, a big Bowie fan. And I do know that, yep. I also need to point out, I like meeting other Uber fans of stuff that I like who can tell me things that I don't know. Like, I love it. Yeah. Like, I love meeting someone who says, hey, did you know this? And I think, no, you've just increased my knowledge of whatever it is that I'm into mm. and then if I go back and listen to it or see it or whatever. So I'm not I'm not competitive in that kind of way. No. But you are well known as a Bowie fan. So right. much so that when you managed to make David Bowie laugh in oh, a press yeah. conference. Oh yeah. It was the proudest moment for an entire community of your friends. We were just like, life does not get better than that. Oh my God, it was such a highlight. It was such a highlight for all of us. Yeah. Mm. And it was, anyway, so like, because, uh, anyway, my the, the, the fandom started back in November 83. My mum asked me if I wanted to go and see him. And I, I said, oh, what has he done? And she named all these songs. And I was like, is that the same person? <laughs> Like I didn't, you know, yeah. like you think Ashes to Ashes and, yeah. you know, Ziggy Stardust and like Let's as dance. A, you know, as an yeah. 11 year old, you go, what? Yeah. So anyway, 
mum said, if you want to go, you have to tell me now the tickets are really expensive. They're $20. So, um, so we went to Adelaide Oval and it was mind blowing. Everyone, it was just amazing. And from there, uh, you know, fandom started, you know, I, um, uh, you know, he's released what, 27 albums. I've got 54, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I went to the UK and watched him perform. I, I can, I can point me out on the reality DVD in the middle of him singing under pressure. I can point out little Hamo's face looking very happy. Uh, so anyway, and you know, Triple J gave me an opportunity to go and meet him, uh, uh you know, in a, in a press conference and, um, uh, you know what, you know the story, but I'll tell you very quickly. It, it was funny because there were just all these people there asking terrible questions, <laughs> like terrible questions. Like there was like, this will, this will blow your mind. The, whoever American Rosso sent along asked, what's your favorite color? <laughs> and you know. Was it Merrick? No, no, no. It was anyway. <laughs> okay. But, uh, and then there was, um, you know, like, I think Angela Bishop said, you haven't changed. Uh, you haven't aged. And he said, what are you talking about? And he opened up his mouth wide. He said, I've got new teeth. Like he was just being, <laughs> what is going on? And Richard Wilkins was hosting it and just giving it to, you know, people that he knew, which is fair enough. Mm. So I'd taken a spot right at the front and I literally just sat there with my hand up. Mm. And so he pointed to me and, uh, and I said to him, hey, I saw you perform in the UK last year. And as soon as I said that, his whole body language changed and I thought oh that's a good sign and I said you seem to have a really good relationship with the Dandy Warhols you used to do a lot of producing in the 70s who would you work with now if you got back into that and you know you're only meant to ask one question but uh, he took so long answering my question I, th I thought well he, I guess he likes me I'll ask another one and he <laughs> uh, and he kept pausing like it's oh granddaddy I'd like to work with granddaddy talk about them pause and then I think I'd, I'll ask another question and interrupt me and say I'd like to work with Arcade Fire and you know and then he'd pause and you know and, and after about the sixth or seventh time that he interrupted me he said I'm sorry I keep interrupting you and I said oh no that's fine I just wanted to say it was really exciting to see these kids get excited when you launched into Under Pressure because they recognized the song and didn't think it was a vanilla ice cover yeah. which is a cracking Bowie joke if you yeah. follow Bowie and he laughed and that's the highlight of the career right there and he said he said, you know the thing about those kids? And I said, no. He said, they're all mine. I said, all of them? He said, yeah. And I said, wow, you're quite virile. He said, I know. It makes me feel like a, and I said, like a lad? He said, nah, like a geezer. I said, nice one, David. And they ripped the microphone out of my hands because I'd taken up too much of the press conference. And then th uh, I think it was like four or five nights later, I was in Adelaide front row. And when he walked out, he did a double take. And I thought, did he just see me? And... Three songs later, while he was performing Fame, he looked down, pointed at me and waved. Oh. And so that's boom, right? Wow. Boom. So anyway, this David Bowie exhibition has come here, which, by the way, I saw in Berlin last year. Yeah. Uh, just to, in case anyone didn't think I was no, enough of a fan. <laughs> and I have been so fucked off in, a, in, I'll be honest, in an adolescent way. I haven't been asked to do anything. Right. Not, not one thing. Now, I know it's probably because I don't have Maybe a, they don't know. Maybe they don't know, no. but I'm so... And I... You know what? Logically, okay. my head understands all of that. Yeah. And also, what, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know if I really want to do anything. Yeah. But I've been pissed off that, you know, all these other things, like, you know, you haven't been asked to do that. Oh, yeah, well, I don't really want to do it. You haven't been asked to do that. Yeah, it's not my kind of thing. But this has gotten into the core just it. behind my left eye, especially when I keep talking to people who are doing things... Who don't know as much as I do, and that frustrates. They're doing me. things as part of the exhibition. Do you think they haven't mentioned oh, you? Oh, I've people. I know I've who seen. You mean. I've seen yep. one of my friends who I adore writing an article, and she said, um, 
and uh, this is not a crack at her in any way, but I got frustrated because we have the same management and she wrote an article saying, I'm not the biggest fan, uh, but I went to the exhibition. Oh, and you go, ouch. And, you know, she's really complimentary in it, but it's like, oh, I am. I actually am the biggest fan. And I've seen it. Well, you know, I, I am a big it. fan. I saw it in Berlin. I get it. I can It'd be like it. if there was a Dalai Lama exhibition in Melbourne yes. and no one asked me no to do anything. Asked. I'm like, are you fucking kidding yourself? <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I know. I get it. And you know, like my manager, Helen, like, I've, you know, she's such a cracking human being mm. and, she, you know, and and I've just been like, I, I feel like I've been really annoying. Helen, so, ring him. You're sitting on her desk and going, ring him, ring him now. Just ring him oh, now. Just ring him now. No, I think I've just been, you know, like just before I came in here, I was chatting to her on the phone. I said, by the way, I'm just going to uh, channel all my adolescent anger in, I'm just going to do 10 blogs with a hundred of my favorite Bowie songs. And that way, or I'll just channel it, because that'll be my way of going, yeah, you don't even know what this song is, do you? And it's <laughs> it's such a childish reason to do it, but you just got to channel the energy in some way, don't How you? How long is the exhibition up for? Oh, I don't know. You do so. I actually don't, but it's I, I was just a bit I'm gonna disconnected ring from it. I'm going to ring him myself. I don't even know what I'd do. We'll, we'll make some shit up. We'll just, oh, the thing is, know. we'll just get the slot and we'll make some shit up. <laughs> what, what you're going to do is the least of our worries. Well, you know what I'm thinking is, what? T- actually, can I ask your opinion yeah. on this? Uh if you told a story in a show 11 years ago, can yeah. you bring that story back for a new show if you have a new take on it? Yes. Okay. Don't get... And further to that, I'll say Marty Sheargold and I are planning to do a show together in next year's Comedy Festival. Oh, really? So if you want to see some 11-year-old stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do actually. <laughs> That's the place to be, my friend. Well, uh, yes. you know what? Let's not get anything going because I have a bit of righteous anger that I tried out at the Imperial oh, that seemed to go really well. So okay. I'm going to try and hold on to the anger until about May next year. So you want to stay angry rather than do a gig at the Bowie exhibition? Yeah, yeah. Cause oh, then, okay, cause sure. Because then, then I can channel it into my solo show. Because, <laughs> you know, sure. when, when I first told the story about making him laugh back in 2004, it was like, oh, my God. But when I did it last Tuesday at the Imperial, it was like, yeah, and you know what? I made him laugh. I made him <laughs> laugh. Because I was just getting, like, I remember talking to a guy there who was like, you know, I'm a big Bowie fan. I said, oh, that's great. And I said, you know, when I saw him in the UK, I was so excited when he did the motel. And he said, what? So, you know, the Motel, off the Outside album. Oh, I don't really listen to that. I was like, oh, yeah, fair enough. No worries. And then uh, talking a little bit later, and I said, uh, you know, I was just listening um, to Teenage Wildlife the other day. And it's <laughs> such a great song. And he went, what? I said, you know, Teenage Wildlife. Like, track one, side two, Scary Monsters. He said, I only listened to the first half of Scary Monsters. And after a while, I just wanted to grab him by the face <laughs> and just go, what are you talking about? I'm not even talking about obscure stuff, you idiot. <laughs> you are a Puritan, though. When you love something, you love it with everything you've got. Oh, Comic books. Yeah. 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 I'm, um, you know, one of the highlights. You know what? It gets to a point where one of the highlights of being into something is, like, I've loved Christopher Nolan since... Like when I saw Memento in the cinema and I just came out going, what was that? Is you he know? the person who wrote it? Uh, he So he wrote and directed that. Right. And he, so he did Memento, then Insomnia, then Batman Begins, The right. Prestige. Oh, Dark I love Knight. The Prestige so much. Oh, right. You I know, love it. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's Christopher Nolan making a movie with Batman, yeah. Wolverine, yeah. The Black Widow, <laughs> Michael Caine being whoever you want Michael Caine to be, and David Bowie yeah, and Gollum. Right. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's pretty great. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, so when Interstellar started getting, which I loved because it really tapped into my father issues, the same way that Friday Night Lights does. And yeah, 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 yeah. it... Um, <laughs> When people started being umming and ahhing about it and being a bit, you know, uh, you know, kind of giving it bad reviews and people saying, oh, I don't think... 
I kind of enjoyed that because yeah. it's like, yeah, good. Because you know what I am? I'm a true fan. I'm a true believer. I'm right there. And I don't want you assholes who are sticking around because of the Dark Knight and Inception. I just go away. Go go and say that he's run out of ideas because guess what I'm doing? I'm loving his last two films. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, you're real, man. You're staunch. It, it's, you, do, you, do you have this thing where you see... You know, you see all these terrible things in the UK with Savile and all these terrible, yeah. horrific stories. And do you ever kind of watch that stuff and just have a moment where you think, oh, please don't let anyone I love be involved in this in any oh, way? Oh, yeah, I get it. Not as keenly as you do. I think you're actually visualising individuals in your mind when you think that. That's how it feels to me. Are you, yeah, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because, well, you know, it's that era. I guess. I, I don't, like I, like, I don't think anyone I love would have been involved. Yeah. But I don't even, like, please tell me that for some reason well, Bill you didn't Cosby's, even know. Bill Cosby's a great example. Oh, right. Right? right. I mean, I think, and, and I'm the tip of the iceberg, there are so many African-American men saying he was my he was my role model for manhood. Yeah. And now I find out man, this I is find the kind it, of man he is, you know? You know, the, the person that I find the most fascinating talking about it is, is Chris Rock. Yeah. You know, because Chris Rock is so acerbic and so... Funny and mm. whip smart, and you can you can see he's in pain. Yeah, yeah, I'm and not you, surprised. And we well, we also should know that the people that we love are flawed. Are just and, people, and you don't want to get, you know, you got to be careful about who you get close. Like I've I've made David Bowie laugh and George Clooney laugh. I forgot about Clooney. Yeah, yes, but I have. You know, I remember being at a big day out after party and standing like like as far away as we are now is Mike Patton. Yeah. And I love Mike Patton. I, I have loved him for so long. But I've heard, you know, I've heard things not going right with him. I've heard, you know, I've seen interviews where you go, oh, my God, I'd hate to get on his wrong side. And I looked at him and I went, no, because if I go up and say something to him and he's even a little bit meh at me, it will taint my enjoyment. Yeah. Of his music, which I love so much. Yeah. So you've got to be... Yeah. You've got to be careful. Pick your targets. That's very wise of you to just not even risk it. Do you know, I, I even feel like sometimes, yeah, you know, on a, this is on a tiny scale, like a 1% level of fame level. Um, I, I sometimes feel like I've disappointed fans, you know, yeah. where you just, where they kind of, you know... They get you in... Like, I'm always, I always try to be polite. Yeah. But they get you in a moment... Oh, totally. Or, and, you Yesterday know, at Coles, I felt bad because I felt felt as though I didn't smile enough back at a person. Oh, right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I get that. I looked up and I was thinking about my change or something. I was thinking about something and I this person was smiling at me, big smile, and I just kind of gave them a closed mouth smile. And then a second later, I thought, oh, well, now don't be an asshole. Smile back. And then it was too late and the moment was over. And, and you can't go back and smile. No, I felt like, oh, sorry, man. I know. I have this real... Um, I have this real fear of disappointing people and it's yeah. a it's a terrible fear to have because what you end up doing is disappointing people yeah. because what you try to you spread yourself too thin like uh, our friend Gatesy used to always choke he used to say to me are you a yes man and I'd say yes <laughs> <laughs> and it's been an ongoing joke for years but it but it comes from uh, so <laughs> it's so funny right yep. but it's it, it's it's it comes from you know like when I was when I was in primary school, there was a kid at my school. I went, uh, you know, I won't tell you his name. But anyway, there was a kid at my primary school who was the kid who got picked on all the time. Yes. Used to wet himself, you know. And my teacher, Mrs. Southwell, in grade five, who I loved to bits, 
said, can you take him under your wing? So I took him under my wing. I got him on the school basketball team. I would, when I was a, a school captain for, you know, for picking teams, you know, I'd always pick this kid first. Mm-hmm. And I was always the only kid at his birthday party. And I was praised for that. Like, you know, Mrs. Southall praised me and, you know, my mum praised me. And then people would say, why are you hanging out with this kid? And I'd say, well, you know, because you've got to help him out. And he comes from a bit of a rough, tough background and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And then towards the end of grade seven, I was going to a different high school. And he he kind of had a bit of a breakdown. Mm. And I kind of cracked under the pressure because it was like, I don't know how to make this better. Like, I actually don't know. I don't know how to make it all right because I've, I've run out of gas because I've just And you're been, 11. And I'm 11, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Right? You know what? That has followed me my for the last three decades. Yeah. That, that way of living, uh, and I've only realised in the last... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, six months where it's like, oh my God, it's that repeating of Oh God, I know what you mean about looking back and realising your relationships are just this pattern over and over and over again. But I mean, are you saying that you take people under your wing and like that they come to depend on you and you find that burdensome? Is that the pattern? I think the mistake I've made is there's, there's, you know, some people might listen to that and think, oh, don't be an arsehole. But it's, but I take too much of it on. I can vouch for that. Yes, yeah. I absolutely know that you take, do do that. So yeah. there is, there's a blurring of the lines. Yeah. I mean, it gets to the point where it's hard sometimes to hang out with you because you've got so many people slotted in who want, oh, who want ammo time, right? right? So it's like, oh, I feel a bit like shit. I just want to talk to Hamo about it. Right. And, pull, and Hamo's spending his entire days just... One after the other, talking to people who feel a bit like shit and need a bit of hammo time sometimes. Yeah, and and <laughs> but that's my fault. Like I I don't I, I don't draw. Uh, you know, there needs to be boundaries, and yeah. there needs to be times where someone says, "Hey, I really need to talk to you," and you have to say, "I can't do it. I can't." Like you know, yeah. I'm in the middle of something, but instead I'm because of that desire to uh, you know constantly please, and uh, you know, and I also guess- it's about. You, you have to be careful about what you take on sometimes, don't yes. you, in terms of stimulus, of what you're putting in into your mind and into your soul. And if you're hearing sadness all day, hearing what that gets to you. Yeah. That brings your vibe down. It's hard for you to 
be happy in the world, isn't it? And then and then you're not actually doing them any favors no. by constantly being there because then you know it, it's it's weird because then what that breeds is a, a form of uh, can breed a form of jealousy. So what happens is if you start hanging out, if you make a new friend, or mm, you yeah. know you, I get a girlfriend or something like that. Sometimes, and this is guys and girls, they can kind of be a bit, what? What's going on? Like, you're there constantly for me. Yeah. Is, is everything okay? And then, you know, that's, oh, but that's my fault. Get a girlfriend and suddenly we're not hanging out anymore. Yeah, but then what I'm doing is I'm trying to hang out with the girlfriend and also hang out with them. And then, you know, mm. you crash and burn. Yeah. And you're not helping anyone. Yeah. But it's... Uh, it... Can we can we talk and maybe we can't. Maybe it's just weird and maybe you're over it. About your dad? Yeah, sure. About your father issues? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Because as I've kept been doing this podcast, it's come out, and I never meant it to be this way, but invariably we end up talking about moments in life that kind of have gone on to shape life. Yeah. Turning points, and then it was like this, 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 and then that happened, and then from that point it's been on like this. Right. You know? So... Uh, I mean, your the story of your contacting your dad, whom you'd, whom you'd never met, <laughs> yes, so I is should, amazing. Well, you know, uh, let, let me. So anyway, so I was born September nineteen seventy two to a single mum in Adelaide. She was nineteen, uh, and you know, there's like as you get older, you kind of go, wow. Like I like I've always loved my mum. That goes without saying, mm. but. I, I respect her more now because I get it. Yeah, you admire her. Well, especially when you go, you know, yeah. like at 19, she was a single mum in 1972. When I was 19, the probably the best thing I could achieve would be eating two chicken gyros at night and not putting on weight. Like that was <laughs> that was the equivalent, you know, yeah. and you go through all those years, you know, like at 30, she had an 11-year-old mm. who was getting stressed out about looking after a kid. And this when I, I was 30... And I'm 30... not blowing smoke up your ass, but I do think about your mum a lot because she yeah. raised a great kid. Because yeah. I know that even as a little boy, you were very kind and sweet and smart and, and well-behaved and all that. So I think about your mum a lot and think, God, how did she do that at her age at all? Yeah. In she her was, circumstance? You know, I, I feel like I feel like in the last 18 months, uh, two years, I feel like I've... I think I've let myself down a little bit in certain areas. I don't think I've been as good a man as I would like to be, and I'm I'm trying to rectify that. But it's uh, but anyway. So so mum raised me as a as a uh, as a single mum, and uh, you know this is the kind of mum she was when I was in grade three. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I I never I never knew at the time, and I don't know now. Uh, an Aboriginal kid just kicked the shit out of me. Just came up and like you know gave me a black eye while I was playing. Who knows why? And when I got home, you know, I had like an uncle who was an alcoholic going, hey, man, you got to learn how to fight. My mum took me aside and she really drummed it into me. Look, you you can't be happy with what's happened and, you know, that, but you can't dislike that kid for being Aboriginal. And she really drummed it into me. You, you know, you have to think about the background. You have to think about where he's come from. I'm not saying don't be upset, but you know, basically she was saying, don't be racist. That's what she was doing. Was saying, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a really good lesson don't to learn. Don't be one of those people who in 50 years time is saying, you know, I hate black fellas because when I was a kid, one of them kicked the shit out of me. Right. Don't be that person. Right. So, you know, mum stopped me, you know, and, and that was a really good set of, uh, criteria to take into account for all sorts of, uh, 
different experiences over life where you try to work out someone's motivation for what they do and if you can kind of understand the motivation it can uh, it can make a situation easier but also it probably means i don't really express anger well enough and i'm probably riddled with cancer but anyway what are you going to do that's why i go to the gym trying to burn that shit off but anyway um so i never i never missed having a dad by the way like it was never it was never a void in my life mum knew how to you know she taught me poetry she showed me movies she had me reading books, but she could bowl a cricket ball, <laughs> you know, she'd take me out to sport. So, uh, you know, I had a very, very balanced life uh, in that regard. So I just, you know, never missed having a dad around, to be honest. Uh, then when I was about 30, I, you know, my uh, physically you start to change and I started to not recognise the Hamilton side of yeah, right. my life in me. And did we did we ever plant the seeds as well? Because I feel as though we most most people I know I did, most of us must have asked you at some time, do you ever think about finding your dad or do you ever Yeah, you I, know? I well I guess actually that's a yeah, that's a good question. I yeah, I guess people probably did over time. Uh especially when I started coming to Melbourne a lot more, you know, people were yeah. a bit more, you know, curious like people in Adelaide just you know, I didn't have a dad. Yeah, but particularly, so it never came up. Yeah, but then you'd tell us that oh, he's alive. Yeah, somewhere he's still in Adelaide. in Adelaide. Yeah, and we'd be like, you've never met never him. Never met him. It seemed yeah. And and so also, and this is uh, so, Mum one year for my birthday, just a, I don't know. Anyway, she got me time with an astrologer who just <laughs> knew. I know, crazy, but it was like, uh, you know, this all the astrologer knew was my. Date of birth, time of birth, and place of birth. That's all they knew. And my first name, that's all she knew. And then when I went in, you know, she had all these star charts and everything. And then the first thing she says is, uh, your father's had a huge influence on the person you are today. And immediately in my head, I'm thinking, well, you fucked it. You fucked it from the first sentence. Crash and burn. But because I'm polite, I just sat there and, you know, poker face. Oh, yeah, okay. And she's talking about- For an about, hour, thinking she's an idiot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, no, but- a, Couple, you know, a couple of minutes into this, she's talking about the influences, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, uh, but according to this chart, uh, you've either never met him or he left at a very, very, very young age. Oh, wow. And that's a boom, right? So that was just around the time where I'm looking in the mirror going, oh, I'm looking a little bit different. So anyway, I got, I was curious. You know what it was? I, I wanted to see him. Okay. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't really interested in talking to him that much. I was curious to know what he looked like. So anyway, uh, I got uh, his phone number from mum and I gave him a call and you know what? In his defence, this is confronting. Yes. So I, I want to be very fair about this. I, I, but I called him and I said, uh, hey, it's uh, it's your son, Justin. Uh, look, we've never met before, but I was wondering if you would like to have a beer. And he said, uh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, oh, it's all right. Like, I don't want anything from you, uh, you know, but I, I just thought it'd be interesting to me and I'm happy to pay for the beer. And he said, no. And I said, okay, well, no worries. Have a good one. And that was our whole conversation. And that was it. So then, uh, which is just, I don't know, like I, you know, in his defense, I get it. Like, who needs that hassle? Funnily enough, <laughs> mum's... Very, I think you're being overly in his defence. Uh, you know what? I was I was, at first, I, I was shocked about it for a while, and then I was a bit like, where the fuck do you get off? Mm. Like, I know Limo. Why don't you want to talk to me? 
right? Yeah. <laughs> That's my go-to with everything. Yeah. I know Limo. I'm going to try that more often. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Everybody likes Limo, like, and if I you don't know wanna, him. Yeah, if you don't even want to talk to me, don't you want to say, what's Limo like? And I'll say, he's great. <laughs> go fuck yourself. He's so great. So I was angry for a while, and then after a while, you just go, oh, well, you know, the poor bugger, like, he's just probably there. And then next minute, this man calls. But we have found out subsequently that he would, you know, he kind of would always... Mum kind of knew someone who kind of knew friends, and he would always kind of question if I was really his or not. Oh. And he was an arsehole. Like, he was, he was a, like, he, you know, I, I don't think mum would mind me saying this, but he, when she was trying to get maintenance out of him, uh, which was $5 a week mm. until I was 16, $5 a week, mm. he, um, uh, you know, he got people to stand up in court and kind of claim that mum was of questionable character and oh, you know no. so he was that's a terrible thing to do yeah uh so maybe wow. i shouldn't be so polite but the um but he would say oh, i don't even really know if he's mine and then when i was on rove a whole bunch of them got together and were watching rove live and they all looked and they said that's his son because of the faces i was pulling and things that i was doing that were yeah. like him anyway uh this mutual friend because i just wanted to see a photo of him got a got a picture of him and it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to see a photo of my father. And I looked at the photo and I just went, that's an old dude wearing a VB hat. <laughs> it was like this this moment of revelation just dissipated into the air because I'm just like going, I have no idea who that is. I didn't look and went, oh, my God, I can see generations of history. I just looked and went, oh, well, I don't even drink beer. <laughs> like that was that was the big moment, right? Funnily enough, I've had uh, that side of the family start coming to gigs. And, you know, like one of my cousins from that side said, you know, I was the, I was the big secret that no one was allowed to talk about. And, um, his brother, uh, who I, who would come, he's come to gigs now and again, and he sends me messages on Facebook. But your uncle? Yes. 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 Of course he's my uncle. Yes. Yes. Uh, but to be honest, so much time has passed. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel anything. Mm. I don't, I don't feel like that. They seem like really nice people. And, you know, like one of my cousins came to my show this year and she's like, she's this gorgeous girl. She's got a, she brought a really nice boyfriend. I had a nice chat with them and I was happy to have a nice chat, but I don't, there's, I don't have any feeling because mm. it's not that mum never talked about them. We, there was just other things to talk about yeah, yeah, and other things to do. Whereas for them, it's like, I'm the big secret. And oh my God, this big secret of this son that he kind of doesn't want to admit to and doesn't want to meet. He's, he's on the telly. Yeah. He might know Limo, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's that thing where you just go, um, you know, so it means more to them than it does to me. Yeah. But you know, the, the absence of the father and my, I was brought up to be, you know, just try to be a good guy. And I, like, I feel like that's been my main goal in life Yeah, more than anything. Just try to be a good guy. And I think you're a great guy. I yeah. mean, I mean, you're not as great as Limo, but I think, well, I think, on a scale of one to Limo, yeah, I like, think you're a, you're a good nine. Oh, uh, look, Limo's pretty good. He's like, pretty great. But it is one of those things. Well, I feel like in the last couple of years, you know, after, um, I realized, you know, I talked about our friend Neria and, uh, Neria, uh, died about six years ago. Uh, and it was such a shock to the system. And I spent so much time after that, making sure people were fine and catching up with people and that I never really processed it properly. Like I never, I'll tell you the, 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 the biggest way I processed it. You know, you go through the different stages of grief 
mm-hmm. and uh, I had it the angry day. I was meant to do something. I forget what it was. And uh, I blew it off and uh, I went to see The Dark Knight in gold class and I was the only person in the room. It's like two o'clock on like a Thursday. And I spent $700 on champagne and food and just would change chairs at some point because, you know what, they find me, I'm the only one in here. And when I walked out, the three people that were working gave me a standing ovation because I was hammered. I'd gone through two <laughs> bottles of Moe. I just, you know, what? and just oh stumbled out of Melbourne Central at 4.30, just going, that's how you spend money. And... uh That was probably the closest I came to processing it. But because I kind of suppressed everything for so many years, uh, you know, I haven't really... I feel like I have struggled as a guy in the last, you know, 18 months, two years. And I've struggled because I haven't been completely in touch with where I'm at. And also in the process of always trying to be there for other people, you know, what you do is you set up expectations that you can't humanly live up to mm-hmm. and therefore you let people down whereas if i had been more in touch with where i'm at and had in the process you know not set up expectations that were unfathomable then i wouldn't have let people down and then i would be more on track so anyway so i'm that's i said to management this year i don't really care about my career this year this this year is about getting the equilibrium as a yeah, as a right. man back on track. So just, you know... So what are you saying? Do you think you were sort of um, particularly unavailable for the last 18 months to your friends and uh, family? I, I think... No, I think I was available... It, it's that weird thing. I think I was available too much, but I wasn't... Oh, God, this sounds like I'm about to launch into a, I've been to paradise, no, that's but okay. I've never been to I'm me. digging it because but, this is what I've always loved about you is this, and I, again, put a lot of it down to your mum, is I've, you know, you can, I can you can have deep conversations with you. People yeah. can, this is why everyone wants to be near you, because you can have really deep connection with you and you right. can... You know, you don't have to apologise for having an I've been to me moment. <laughs> yeah, but it <laughs> feels know? like that. Uh, it, was, it, it feels like I've been completely available uh, in one way, but because I wasn't really being honest with myself, mm. it it wasn't healthy. And so, you know, like I feel like there's a few friends that I feel like I've lost connections with and I've lost uh, even an ability or a desire to kind of be around and that's because, you know, I would feel like I set up, you know, I allowed them to have so much of me that when I couldn't live up to it and then they would be, you know. Mm. But that doesn't make you a bad guy. Oh, well, you know. I, maybe it uh, means you don't want to be friends with them. Maybe, but it's also one of those things where, you know, and maybe that is the end point of that, but I want to get to it in the correct way, mm-hmm. in the healthy way. So I've just been trying to get my equilibrium back. I'm... I'm halfway through season three of Friday Night Lights and Coach Taylor is, uh, you know, like I'm borderline ready to move to America, marry a nice woman and coach American football. Like that's, uh, like most of my male role models have come from TV, whether it was Doug Ross in ER yeah. or Nate in Six Feet Under. Like, you know, in a weird way, I was weirdly invested in Don Draper. It's like, I know he's done terrible things, but he's kind of done good things as well. And I, we can bring him back. We can bring him back. 
you know, he's just a man. You know, Russ Cole in, uh, you know, I watched uh, True Detective last year and everything that Russ Cole was saying is like, oh my God, this is a blueprint for where I'm going to go. And so now it's all about <laughs> Coach Taylor. That's how I filled the void of uh, a lack of men in my life. Where are you at relationship wise? Because the other thing that was it about two years ago that your last long term relationship broke down? Was it longer? Oh, no, it was longer. Uh, no, I'm single and, you know, I just don't. Uh, I, I don't think it would be. It's not. It's not right. Okay. Now's not the right time yeah. to, you know, yeah. start something. I feel like I need to be selfish for a while. I need to be able to, you know, I don't know if you have this, but you know, we have our fantasies. Sure, mine's to meet RuPaul. Oh, that's a good fantasy. Yes. Yeah, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing? You know what? And watch her put her makeup on. That, that's yeah. my fantasy. And you know what? Wow. I have a lot of confidence in saying this. You two would Thank hit it off without a doubt. That's so sweet. Thank I can you. see that working. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, What's that's yours? A good fantasy. My fantasy is nowhere near as, as exciting as that. My <laughs> fantasy is that my flatmate, Rob, comes home and there's a stack of cash that gives him three months rent and, and I've just gone, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm out of here. I think that fantasy has been going long enough that I remember saying to you when you were working in Brisbane that I would be happy to just drop out and you would not hear from me for, you know, years. And then for some reason you'd be in Guatemala and you'd be getting a coffee and you'd there I'd be with like a with a little thin moustache and my hair slipped back and you'd look at me and go, Hammer, and I'd go, no, Manuel, and I'd just be a whole new guy. That's why I got into Don Draper. I could, I was like seeing that as like, yeah, I get that. That desire to, you need to just go disappear. On, go on retreat. You know, would you go to Tommy Little tried a wellness retreat in Bali a few weeks ago? He lasted right. like one day. He goes, Yoga? Look, I didn't know yoga was just stretching and like meditation, that's nothing. So, oh, yeah. You're right. So he didn't last. But uh, maybe. It's because he's young and fit and handsome. And like, there's so you know. many chicks around that you can entertain yourself with if you're Tommy Little, you know? Right. And of forget course. about what it, what, what it is you don't want to think about. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what about going on retreat? You know? Yeah. One of those ones where no one speaks and you're all just in your little hut and, and you can that just. That would be a major achievement if I could get through that because yeah. I do like to yabber. What's the dream? From here on, know. you know, when we're younger as comics, we have a lot of dreams. We do, and and that's where I, well, that's what I mean about wondering about the the creative side and uh, wondering if it's been stifled. And that's where I thoroughly mm. enjoyed hanging out with those New Zealand comics and and you know, especially Guy telling me about that crazy podcast. And it just reminded <laughs> me of when Gleason and I back in two thousand and six or seven, I think it was, being obsessed with that minor actor in the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> You know, hey, that's a fat suit. What are you, some kind of pimp? Woo! Like, Gleason pointed that out to me, yeah. and we loved it so much. We would just <laughs> quote those lines, and then I remember every we were making that noise yeah. for so long. I was running the Rhino Room in the 2008 Fringe in Adelaide, and I remember for everyone who performed there and everyone who worked there, I went, I think I bought. 32 copies of the Dukes of Hazard yeah. and put post-it notes of 52 minutes 18 and put it on the top so then people didn't have to watch the whole film yeah. just to get to that bit. I became yeah. friends with that guy on Facebook. Yeah. Like I, I started having dreams of flying him out and getting him to replicate that scene. <laughs> Gleason and I as the Duke boys, you know, yeah. do it at the hi-fi. I think, I forget who it was. I think it was Will Anderson who looked at me and said, that's never going to happen. And I was like, oh yeah, you're probably right. Probably... Like, how am I going to get him to do it That's for free? That's not like Will. Normally, Will would say, "How much money do you need to make that happen?" No, I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I think he. <laughs> but no, I think he's right. I think he saw 
what he saw was this guy probably thinking, I can probably get 20 grand for an appearance, you know. Yeah, right. And then subsequently being right. friends with this dude on Facebook, I've gone, yeah, that guy would have screwed the pooch. And I would have... <laughs> anyway, we'd have a story about it. So I, I don't quite know what... Like, the dream at the moment is, you know, as I said, uh, just get the equilibrium back mm-hmm. and get on track that way. And... And get back to some core values. I always wanted to write a novel, and I've got one that uh, that we kind of shopped around. And you know, I don't want to self-publish. I want to do it the old-fashioned yep. way. Yeah. Uh, and I was looking at it. And I reckon I can make it better. So I'll go back and uh, rejig that. I think. Uh, you know, I've kind of lost a bit of momentum with my podcast. You know, there's been 202 episodes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to talk to... I've really enjoyed talking to comedians and I've learned some really interesting things and I have mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like I'm a better comedian because of it. But I would, I would like to talk to some people outside of the industry. Yeah. Just get some new ideas into their heads, some new perspectives. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, well, you're one of the very few comedians that I've spoken to for this podcast. It is really exciting and interesting talking to people who rescue dogs in Bali yeah. or women who've been to prison or whatever well, yeah you know? you know like there's yeah you know i i was on abc radio with uh john fain uh i was brought in as a guest yeah. for, to help interview people and bill hader came in who was did you get oh yeah interview? from train wreck yeah no, tommy went and did them yeah oh, my was God. he good like he's upper echelon i love him famous people yes. i've met like just a delight and because it's abc you know like we got 20 odd minutes yes. with him but then there was uh oh just drawn a blank on his name Sean, was it? Oh, I feel so bad. He runs a a company that uh, they they get funds and they protect rangers all over the world because rangers, are, like, there's over a hundred killed every year, like wildlife rangers. Yeah, wildlife yeah, rangers right. from poachers and things like that. Yeah. So they raise money to protect them, and you know, and like, you know, who as he said, I, he said I don't want to take credit for this, but. Uh, you know, like, like the previous year, like over a hundred had been killed, and this year there'd been like fifty four wow. or something. So, and he keeps the company small because he was pointing out other companies that make seven hundred and seventy million in donations a year. Two hundred and twenty million yeah. goes to admin, and it's like to save the elephants in Africa, it'd be a hundred million. Like you could have saved them twice, but some assholes needs a jet ski and a yeah. backpack, you know. And it's yeah. like, so he keeps the company small. And while he's talking, then Bill Hader just said, oh, man, this is making me feel so bad. Like, I'm just a, I'm just an idiot actor. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm just an idiot comedian, yeah. you know. And it's, uh, yeah. it's so important to realise that, you know, being a comedian is fun and it's important to, uh, you know, your main job is to make people laugh. If you can make people think on top of that, that is a bonus. Uh, but... In the grand scheme of things, you know, it's, you know, there's more important stuff out there and it's good to know your place in the universe. We're not saving lives here, guys. No. You know? Not just, yet. No. No, don't get me wrong. Like, if you came along and saw snacks and it made you want to live, well, yeah. that's that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a high five right there. Sure it did. You know, you know what one of the most positive things I have seen in that has actually saved lives, which will... Which is amazing is uh, my favourite comic book writer is a guy called Grant Morrison who wrote a 12-part a series called All-Star Superman. And it was uh, it was beautiful and it was... But there's this one page where there is a, one page, four panels, and uh, there's a rectangular panel uh, on the side and there's a girl standing on 
the edge of a uh, of a building and, and she's like a young kind of gothic girl and she's dropped her phone and she's going to throw herself off and Superman lands behind her and says, uh, no, he's overheard what's going on because he's Superman. And he says, no, your doctor was held up. Uh, and he kind of hugs her and says, uh, you're stronger than you realise. And Grant Morrison has had so many people say that one page has inspired them and, and made them feel better. And and it's amazing where you can find inspiration. That is that is a, that is a comic book character with lines and colour and words. And that probably has done more good than the amount of people who hey, just believe in yourself, you know. So uh, who knows where you find inspiration from. But if you're open to it, you can, you know, you can certainly learn and, and move forward, I think. Yeah, I'll get mine from Lemo. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I just like to stand next to it. It's like, oh, my God, this is what it's like to be a man. God. Like a proper man, too. Thank you. Thank you. Justin Hamilton, probably doing stand-up somewhere near you, I should imagine, very soon. Also, his website, justinhamilton.com.au, has all the info you need about his gigs, his podcasts, his writings, and all things Hamo. Thanks for downloading this podcast. There are lots more available on iTunes. Please leave a review for us if you liked it. Obviously, keep it to yourself if you didn't. All right, all the best. Bye-bye. Don't you want to say, what's Lemo like? And I'll say, he's great. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.